It's Happy Hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy Hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's NewOrleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limousine or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you. Because <laughs> that's New Orleans and this is Happy Hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common. Other than we're all New Orleanians in a bar today, we're at the fabulous Wayfair on Ferret Street, which is a couple of blocks down from Napoleon Avenue, right across from the European Wax Centre, where they have a three-hour happy hour here every day from three to six. That's at Wayfair, not at the Wax Centre, where everything is half price, including drinks and appetizers. They do an awesome brunch on the weekends. That's Wayfair on Ferret Street. And this whole show is live on something. Periscope. We're on Periscope today. So if you've yeah. ever... <laughs> go Periscope. If you go to Periscope and you're not watching this live on Periscope, you can see the whole... Do they have... Do they archive it as well on Periscope? Um, yeah, we think so. This is an experiment because <laughs> Facebook, if you, I don't, here's a sentence I bet you thought you'd never hear. Facebook is down. Did I you think, hear that, Jamie? I think it might be back up in the last, like, 12, 15 minutes. Am I is wrong? It? It's not. Oh, it's, it's not, not. apparently. Well, something, something happened on my phone, so I thought, but, yeah. It looks it's like it's down. coming back, and then you try and get on. It's not there. This is Jamie Glass, who's a clothing designer and who made the clothes she's wearing by a company called Hot Work, H-A-U-T-E Work. That's the first time I've been called a clothing designer. What should I call you? Well, most people say engineer. Oh, okay. that's what I was. Well, you were an engineer. Yeah. Well, I used to be a girl. I've never been people called. People don't call me a girl. <laughs> You're not an engineer anymore. Or do not you like, anymore. Would you prefer to be called an engineer? How about a, clo- a fashion engineer? A fashion engineer. Oh, okay. Is I can do that. Zippers? Can we do that? Is it, is it, <laughs> I like that. No, it's more than zippers. You made the whole thing. Yeah, it's the whole thing Fa- I made. Okay, I'm going to call you a fashion. I'm going to write it down with my new pen, which reminds me. Hang on, before I go on, I have to tell you that today's happy hour is brought to us by Noel the Pens, <laughs> okay. which is the people who make this pen. The only pens made from a fallen Audubon Park live oak tree. Wow. They're one of a kind, Super. expertly crafted in limited edition. They're writing instruments that add little gree Cool. To try that out, it? Jamie. Yes, it's a beautiful pen. Ooh. Actually, it writes great. I like it's nice the and heavy. Weight. Yeah, it's heavy. That's a big one, and there's also smaller ones. Oh, I can write ones. on the table here. It's also Jamie. brought to us by Basics on Magazine Street near Jefferson Avenue. We, that's your name, right? That's J-A-I-M-E. it. J A I M E. That's it. What happened Jamie. to the extra I in Jamie? Why did they leave that out? I don't know. My mom liked to speak French, so she thought she'd call me Jem, like I love, or Jamais, but then is that, everyone calls me Jamie. But Jem has a apostrophe in it. Yeah. Joanna Devine is here. She's French, right? No. <laughs> isn't divine, no, like, isn't divine a French word? Irish. Totally Irish, Grant. <laughs> Don't you speak French or something? Well, a little bit of French, but only if I'm backed into a corner and really have to go to the bathroom. Well, <laughs> I thought you spoke a bit of French no. because your mother lives in France. She does. My mother does live in French, in France, and she speaks French really well. So does my stepfather, who was born there. Oh, that's yeah. why your mom lives there. She dragged yes, him over? She, well, he dragged her over, yeah. I mean, other way around. Yeah, right, exactly. okay. And Joanna's yeah. a singer-songwriter who's going to play a couple of songs for us in the course of the show today. And Dr. Nick Pajic is here as well. I speak a little French. You speak French? Do you, Nick, really? I took a French class on the, the, the uh, L'Union Française in Britannia, and uh, I nearly got kicked out. They called me the Enfant Terrible. Why? What did <laughs> you do? Because I asked so many questions. I was just curious about all the grammar, and I'm nerding out on that. Well, you know why Nick asks a lot of questions? Because yeah. he's a psychiatrist. That's right. Ah. Yeah. So that explains it. So are you... This is me fun. Yes, yeah. could be good. Could be. There's <laughs> yeah, good combination. Like Yes, so I think Nick's first question to you is, why would you call yourself a fashion engineer? Would that be right, Nick? En français? Oui. Oh. (laughs) Qu'est-ce que tu appelles... I can't... That's pretty good good. for one class on Britannia Street. No, no, it was multiple classes. 
And my mom was in the, the other section of the class, so they used to report to my mom how bad I was doing in the class. <laughs> and then they would tell me, your mom thinks you should study more. How old were you um, at this point? Yeah. It was like last year. <laughs> it's true. Is it? Yeah. Really? I'll go after work. No, so fashion engineer, uh, how can you prefer to be called fashion engineer rather than a clothing designer? <laughs> Because I was an engineer by background for about six years. I worked as a petroleum engineer for Chevron and another smaller company in Austin. So, uh, yeah, I I went out to the oil field every day wearing these big baggy Smurf flame-resistant suits, you know, that you see, like, plant workers walking around in. And I I was like, there's got to be better than this for females. Um, So I I made one, and then I made a company out of it. And then I quit my job a year ago, and now this is what I do. But you think it's like a come down to be described as a fashion designer? No, no, Like an no, engineer no. sounds no. like you've got an education where fashion designer sounds like you just do a lot of drugs. You know, I hate, I guess you said <laughs> in the beginning, like, we can say whatever we want on the show. Can. So, um, when I was going into college, I don't know if I've told you this before, I, I did want to be a fashion designer before I wanted to be an engineer. Okay. I loved, I always loved clothes, but I thought that, I thought only one in a bazillion make a really good career out of being a fashion designer, but it's pretty easy to make a good career out of being an engineer. That is still true, though. So right? It is true, yeah. So, I, so, you know, and I thought I loved math and I did all this hard schoolwork. My family wouldn't approve of me just being a fashion designer. Mm. So There's a but lot of engineering. I got the last laugh. There's a lot of engineering <laughs> in, in fashion. I mean, there actually yes. is a lot of engineering that goes into, because you have to make everything in reverse. Yep. I mean, everything is very technical. Yeah, you have to reverse engineer every piece of a piece of clothing, don't you're, you? You're right. Every pattern is, you know, there's angles and dimensions that you have to pay attention, and it's all, you know, backwards of each other. So, yeah, you so definitely you have to know that. that you're cre- you created the onesie for the field, petroleum engineer field Mm -hmm. but are people wearing these out and about because they're in fashion now (laughs) you know i could probably say a handful people are they're probably just people that i know because we 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 definitely just cater to like the industrial market and i go to like companies and stuff like that um but i do get stopped all the time like when i'm wearing this around town people saying like we love your jumpsuit where'd you buy it um and so i'm like oh it's industrial workwear but you can wear it if you want. Okay. You can know? you make sizes for guys like Nick? So yeah. For yeah. So everyone asks about the, the am I going to make men's clothes? Because right. really, they're not that great for men either. I think you look great in that, Nick. You're wearing a know. suit I'm right show now. I'm my muffin top. <laughs> <laughs> no, we could, you could cut it for men. I mean, you have to cut it differently. Yeah, you men, have to I cut it a little differently. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that there's definitely improvement. So maybe one day. I'm going to stick to the... The female so, population of clothing is so much smaller, like what's on the market, than the men's. That's so the I'm whole just thing. To, that's the point. But yeah. the, the point about this is, though, that it's flame retardant, right? Mm-hmm. So you, that's, the, that's the big deal. Yep, that's now the Now, what big about deal. these zippers? These must heat up, too. Yeah, so the, the zippers are just brass, so they have a really high melting point. So Zipper. that's the point in... in for the zippers, they have to not be able to melt, but okay. they all are backed by flame-resistant fabric. You can't have any metal touching your skin. So, right. like, all of these snaps and stuff will have, like, a backing on them. See? So, this doesn't actually touch your skin here? Yeah. No, no, no. It's supposed that to be just snapped oh, here. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, that's, that's part of the, so the code that regulates flame-resistant clothing is NFPA 2112. I've read it, like, 50 times, and it... And it, it, hang on. It let's look it up. How you NF- do this. It sounds like an ambient. <laughs> National Fire <laughs> Protection Association. It's a, it's a group a, within OSHA. Okay. Um, so, and the code is an OSHA regulated code. So, right. 
Hey, thanks Boring also fact. to Hangover Destroyer, the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. <laughs> if you go to hdestroyer.com and you write half hour on the coupon code, you'll get 30% off of your first order of Hangover Destroyer. So you too can seize Does it on. Does that work? Does it work? It's, it? it's, it's medically proven. It says I'm right here. Try that. It's the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. Okay. Do you drink a lot? I don't. I mean, I, I'm you from go New into Orleans. Business with these people. But I did give up liquor and wine for Lent, which is why I'm drinking beer. I would never have just been like, give me a beer. But you gave up liquor and wine. Yeah. But not beer. The only thing I like, I, I, I'm only drinking. Are you doing I don't it for like. you or Jesus? Who's the beneficiary? Well, both. Really? What does Jesus get out of you giving up alcohol? <laughs> or, I'm a better Jesus person. Or the uh, 31-year-old uh, Swiss-looking, lightly bearded Jesus. Yeah. That's yeah. the Jesus we're talking about. What, what is it? In, are you religious? Uh, in my line of work, it's hard to stay religious mm -hmm. in some respects. Why is that? You just see so much, ter so many terrible things happen to Wait, people. You think that there couldn't be a God, given all the shit that goes no, on? No. I, I mean, if you want to get into it, I think that the uh, afterlife kind of story is probably way more profound than the one we find in uh, any text that we created. Or there's nothing. And, you, mean, you, know. you mean the afterlife as a sort of an incentive to be well-behaved? Otherwise, you're going to spend the no, eternity I mean, in hell or what? Um, well, if there's anything after our lives, you know, uh, it's, it, it's complex um, thought here, but... Um, well, we've got plenty of time. Yeah, yeah basically, <laughs> you know, I know I've been, I've been reading about quantum mechanics and what they're learning about, like, dark matter and... Um, uh, how this this world may be a simulation, so to speak, where if you view something, it it, it then uh, it, it uh, comes into reality. Okay. Um, like the human. So the observation, the observation, observation changes itself, the right. the reality itself. Right. So the consciousness plays a bigger role. If that's the case, then after we die, where does that consciousness go? What and where, what is that linked to? And the simple st story is like don't do bad things and do good because you're going to go to hell or heaven to me is is not as sophisticated of an answer to me. I think it's well, probably... Well, no, that was invented you know, thousands of years ago before there was even an iPhone or even Google right. or even Facebook. And, uh, so, you know, you know so they had to come up with a simple yes or no binary thing at yeah, the beginning. And, and there's a lot of control, you know, of uh, the population through, I think, religion. At its worst, at its best, it's, you know, causes people, people to do great things. People come to you, supposedly, I guess, a lot of the times when they have no hope. They're looking for hope. They're looking for some right. reason to live. Yeah, I think that hope and trust as a therapist or psychiatrist you want to provide to people. And, uh, I, you know, I really believe in that. So do you tell people <clears> there's <throat> no God and you might as well just no, give up that idea? I, I think that would be, well, they say it's arrogant to believe and arrogant not to. You know, like I don't have the answer to that, and I don't, and I don't think I do, but I, I know that I can control my own behavior and affect change in someone's life, and if I do that, then and that's a good thing, then maybe they'll do good and things are all better, and then we end up at happy hour pounding beers. <laughs> no, <Yeah. I> don't. <laughs> that's my, my point to giving it up it's to be a better person myself. You know, I was like, hey, I don't really like myself after drinking red wine because I'm really hungover the next day and I'm not getting a lot of good work done, so that's why. So you just quit for 30 How long is well, it? Well, 40 um, days? 46, Where do they get that from? Um, they backtrack Easter. They start at Easter, right? Mm -hmm. I actually, it, see, ends I don't at, even it ends at Easter. Well, I know, but that's Tom, where they... Yeah, Thomas, 40 days uh, in Lent, 
and although it is like 47 days long because oh. they take Sundays off during the 40 days. Oh, no, intervals. that's like... Isn't that crazy? <laughs> no, no. I said that until that, I was in my 20s. Is that true, Thomas? Yes! No. So, yes, you can have a drink on Sunday, you can have a glass of wine on Sunday. Yeah, that's true. No, well, people do that, but yeah, that's like not, that, that's not where the number of days comes from. It's, yes, it is. It's six weeks long. It's, it's six weeks long. I'm totally right. Yeah. I'm not... Why would like, I, why because would they I lie wanted to, to cheat six times? No, why would I lie to you? No, it's like it's like six and a half weeks and they're six days off. So, it's like... Yeah, yeah, that's why That's what. That's why they cheat. They're like, oh, I don't have to do it for the full time, so oh. I'm going to choose the Sundays to cheat on. Why are but, the, no, sorry, but hang are Jamie, you asking? What are you asking? Jamie's you saying asking that me? Jamie's saying that cheating. You're saying this is in the original. <laughs> are you saying text. like why are the Sundays off? No, what? I'm just saying like why is Lent 46 total days? Like when he, oh, you know, yeah, good question that, right there. Like that, that I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> versus 40 Something days. Something to do with crucifixion. I thought. Wait, yeah. wait. Does it have to do with like the fact that Christ walked around uh, after his crucifixion for 40, 40 days? For 40 days. 40 days in the desert. I don't no, know. That was the that was but the that Jews was the, that were wandering in the desert for forty years. That was but, a different story. But yeah, that's that's a whole, that was two thousand years ago. <laughs> and then, yeah. But that doesn't make sense anyway, because that's because uh, after the resurrection, and this is the season leading up to his crucifixion. So, like, that seems in contrast with each I other. Jesus, I don't it's know. a little sad yeah. that nobody knows yeah, anything around uninformed. here. I know. This is where Sea Rock comes in. Isn't this is why we have Sea Rock. No one's good Catholics. Here. Well, that's because. I'm Catholic, but when I go to church, well, I go you're to not church a good one. Time. I'm not a good one. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think I've ever read the whole Bible. You're not going to burn in hell anyway, because no, you're going to flame your child. I'm not going right. to burn I, if I go. Wouldn't that be? Are you going to be buried in this thing? <laughs> Probably. Will it last forever? <laughs> we'll find out. It lasts for what? 100 washes. Gonna, how are we going to find? Flame resistant for 100 washes. <laughs> Is that right? You've only got 100 washes. <laughs> yeah, only 100. So after you've washed it 100 times, oh, that's your business, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And does it really not flame retardant after? Could you sell I don't know. It on We'd eBay have to try that? it. We'd have to try it. That's just what I'm told by the fabric. I mean, the fabric okay. people have to have liabilities. Okay, so we could. So when you're on the oil rig, this is what it's built for, right? Mm-hmm. You're out there on the oil rig doing stuff. What are you wearing this because the thing could catch fire, or that you could walk past something that's really hot? What is the actual oh, danger? No, yeah, it's it's like arc flash. So sometimes you're around things that can catch fire. Yeah, it's not just hot. I mean, heat. This is gonna. I will actually die of heat stroke if I like walk by something super hot because this is very. It's very trapping of my body heat. But when you're out, oh, really, so yeah, it's hot yeah, to yeah. wear. Yeah, actually, when she they first when, the, when OSHA first passed the law for to require flame resistant clothes, like down in Texas and like out in California, lots of people were dying of heat stroke from the flame resistant clothing they were wearing. Jesus Christ. So they weren't dying of the fires, they were dying of it being too hot in like the Nomex. Wow. Yeah, that so like, like all a... these fabrics now have like moisture wicking properties and So how much do I have to pay to look groovy in my This one's about one ninety eight. It's not bad for onesie. Yeah. yeah. What'd you pay for this suit, Nick? Way more than that. And it won't protect you. <clears throat> no, you're gonna go up like in the flames of hell. <laughs> in a flash. I don't, I don't wear really fancy suits. It looks all, it looks it, nice. It's it, a pinstripe, where's that from? dark pinstripe Brooks suit. Brothers. Okay. What? This show is brought to you by Brooks Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's reasonable. Like Carhartt coveralls are not much cheaper than that. No, no, no. Yeah, co- yeah. Right. Hey, they're a competitor. Don't say their name. We can't. <laughs> that's, why, that's why he's not on the mic. <laughs> okay. yeah. It's not like a boutique price necessarily. Right, right. Joanna, what are you wearing today? 
today I'm wearing some secondhand clothing. Where did you purchase <laughs> yes. this? I think I purchased this online from a bread up. <laughs> what? You buy secondhand clothes online? Yeah, I online? do actually. Well, because it's sort of like a rental program. Like I send my clothes in and then I get clothes from them. It's sort of like you get credit it's and a, then. It's a swap. It's a swap, basically. Yeah. It's an With online people you swap. don't know online. Yeah, I know. Some people don't agree with this. But I, I find it How fun. did you stumble on this even? I don't know. A friend, I think a friend told me about it. And she was like, oh, yeah, I started sending my clothes to ThreadUp when I was, you know, done with what, them. And they give you called? money for them. ThreadUp. ThreadUp. Yeah, like ThreadUp as opposed so to ThreadDown. So is it free? Grant, be careful. They're not paying us. Yeah, they're not paying us. So I don't know if you <laughs> want to go there. I don't know if you really well, want to go yet, there. Well, not yet, they're not. I mean, it's free. They send you this huge plastic bag with a mailing label on it. And you put your stuff in there and send it back to them. I've heard then, of this. Yeah. Really? Yeah, but I don't but actually know was, anyone who's ever but done if it. I was in a, if I was in a situation where I needed a fire retardant suit, this is exactly what I'd be wearing. Oh, I mean, good. what Jamie oh, yeah. has on is fantastic. So Thank I got to Well, actually, you wouldn't have anywhere else to buy one because this it's is the true. only this fashion the only, Ford fire retardant clothes exactly in the world. Right. That's right. That's, exactly that's right. right. So Is anyone else doing prefer. it now since you've started doing it? Has someone tried to steal this idea off you? There's two companies in Houston, two girls women who kind of are trying to but they haven't really gotten to a point where they have products or you know they're just like hey we're going to do this so, so there's know. nobody else doing yeah, it no I mean I could right say now. that too I could say hey I'm going to do it because it is a great idea can yeah, you make one yeah, that's yeah. not flame retardant and just have people want to wear them because they're cool yeah I actually um, have made some sequined ones that are <laughs> in the nice. same pattern that this is so yeah but we, I'm not, I haven't commercialized it yet do you, do you costume for Mardi Gras that was the intent, but then um, we, I actually started another business venture for clothing for like Mardi Gras and stuff that kind of blew up, so we didn't have time to And this is Sparkle this. City? Yeah. Now what is up with Sparkle City? I, this what is, is new that? since I've seen you last, yeah. too. Uh, well, remember, I sh- the last time I saw you, I showed you some sweaters I was making. Did you? Remember? Yeah, we were in Lafayette. I remember right, I saw you in Lafayette, but I don't remember seeing any sweaters. Yeah, so we, hmm. we made some like Did some I try saints. them on? No, you didn't try oh, them on. I just showed you a oh, picture. I showed you a picture. Yes, yeah, yes, they yes, were yes. like Saints and LSU right. and all these sweaters. They, some of them have rhinestones, but it's like knitted in. And then, mm. so we made these and like all of a sudden, like I think we sold to 28 boutiques in New Orleans. Wow. Over, yeah. Like in the Saints season. And then um, we probably, so we, we, we sold over like 5,000 of those. And then we did some Mardi Gras stuff. So we're trying to make fashionable fan apparel. Okay. So stuff for like teams or holidays. You're talking tight knit and uh, or loose knit. Lo- like loose knit, like um, like Wool big or gauge. Cotton. It's cotton acrylic. Yeah, um, I can take a picture. Do you have to have a license to do fan apparel? Like, oh, that's a good you question. Know what I mean? Do you have to license the logo or the team? Here, can maybe look through some of it here. Yeah. Like those are the Saints ones. I um, thought you made these so you for do, some sort of big football game at one point. We that, did. We made a bunch of... For LSU versus Alabama. LSU-Alabama. That's how yeah. we started. Right. We did an LSU win for LSU-Alabama. LSU now it's become like a big thing. So this is a big deal. So you're like a real fashion designer just like now I said. I am I'm going back. I'm going back to my original statement in that case. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's yeah. just, you know, never thought I'd hear it, but I like that it. That is pretty amazing. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, there, so f- trademarks... Um, the like Houdat, for example, we use Houdat is was like has a bit a lot of litigation behind it because the NFL owned the trademark for the term Houdat. Then they dropped it in 2010 when the Saints were going to the Super Bowl because they wanted local businesses to use it. Then some guy in Texas picked it up, and then he tried to sue the NFL. 
so then they were like, no, 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 this is going to be a common phrase. So actually a lot of this, and, and then everything else we've used, like for LSU, we just use go, because go tigers is trademark, but not go by itself. Mm. So we've tried to get around it, Loophole. not using, you we, know, but eventually we would So you have, have the word go license. and the tiger's colors, like got yeah, purple. Yeah, like in purple. And then you don't have the word tigers on there. Mm-mm. Do you have a lawyer? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm dating one and then, yeah, okay. I have lots of lawyers. How's that working out? It's good. Okay. I guess. How long have you been dating? No, it's good. Um, a year. Oh, that's quite a while. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. How'd you guys meet? Well, wow. Here we go. Uh, we met actually in high school. He was, what? he was like, no, 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 we didn't. We knew, I've known him since, since elementary school, but he's three grades Younger than me. Oh, so Lord. I never That's illegal, would have, except yeah, in I think Louisiana. that would have been illegal in high school. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah, I would have never talked to him, but then I re ran into him about a year ago when I moved back to Louisiana from Texas after I quit. And then, you know. What sort of law does he practice? He practiced regulatory and environmental law, like he deals with public service commission. Okay. So you guys saw That's each other about at Whole as far Foods as I or something? Know. <laughs> or, or where did you run into each other? No. I like, I like, this, I like these stories. This? No, yeah. no. Actually, uh, he was in, he was, if you want to know the specifics, he was in Tampa for New Year's a year ago. And he, he's best friends with one of my best friends from high school's little brothers. Mm. So they were all on this trip together. And Nancy, my friend, was like, hey, Hunter, you know, Jamie's back in Baton Rouge. And she's sing- I was in Baton Rouge at the time. And she's single. And he, like, was dating a girl and, I guess, took me on a date and then, like, broke up with her. And, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Got to secure the next deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, very, yeah. Very, He's like, you were the cheerleader, girl. I had a crush on. You were on, a cheerleader? So I was. All right, right. Okay. Hey, listen, we're going to stop for just a little <laughs> moment and, um, and take a break and be right back after this. Hey, we're back. And we're going to, ha- we're going to listen to a song by the world-famous Joanna Devine. Joanna, we haven't had you say anything at all yet. You just can't hear me. I think my mic's what, turned down. What, <laughs> we haven't got to you because I want to talk about your... You play in a band called, what's it called? Yeah, Riverbend Ramblers. Riverbend That's Ramblers. That's the current iteration. We've had many names. It's confusing. Yeah, it is confusing. Because I it's agree. you and a couple of the guys from the Lost Bayou exactly, Ramblers. Exactly, exactly. The Lost yep. Bayou Ramblers are from Lafayette. And, and New the, Orleans, yeah. And the Riverbend Ramblers are New Orleans. from the Riverbend area right, of exactly. New Orleans. exactly. We only play within like a three-block radius of, of, of the, our house. Of the Riverbend, because yeah, exactly. you live in the Riverbend. Yeah, so it's just like and a walking thing. Like, if we can't walk to a gig, okay. we, don't, we don't play. And you're in this band with your <laughs> husband, Andre Michaud, who yeah. is one of the founding members of the Lost Bayou Ramblers. Yes, that's exactly right. He's the accordion player and steel player, but he let me borrow his steel to play with the Riverbend Ramblers, so that's what I get to play, which is pretty okay. fun. Yeah, so in 20 River- years, I'll be great. So the Riverbend Ramblers is you, Andre, and Eric Heigl, who's also in the Lost Bayou Ramblers. Exactly. Eric Heigl plays uh, drums and guitar and other other piano, okay. if there's a piano and whatever else is around. But you so. have a separate career as a singer-songwriter. Yeah, I, I, I did for a while. I mean, I haven't really played that much solo lately, but we'll try it out today and see how it goes. Did you put that on hold while you... Since you've been married or something? No, I mean, I, I played kind of, I went over to France actually when my folks moved there and had a recording contract with uh, Universal Music and was a songwriter and worked with a few artists there, just mostly writing for a few years, about three years. And I really, um, I really liked the writing part, but the the selling myself and, re- and kind of performing part was a little... You don't like performance? I do like it. I just, it's just, it's, uh, it's funny, you know, People, people talk about music like, oh, you know, you're an artist and you're a musician and oh, how wonderful that must be. It's really hard work. I mean, you know, right. I really admire people who do it full time and who have, 
the wherewithal to promote themselves and to promote their band and to do all the recording and touring. I mean, it's it's really hard work. So I I don't know. It was I didn't I you know. Well, you're lucky in that you have other skills. I have other skills exactly. You I have can, a lot of things I like to do, yeah. so it's also kind of hard to, to pick one. But, but, uh, but I do love playing music. And you have a couple of great albums. Thank you. If you're listening to this and you want to go and check out, it's Joanna is spelled J-O-H-A-N-N-A. And uh, you can find it on Spotify and everywhere else you can steal music from. The two, what are the two albums are called? Mile High Rodeo. And Electric Tide, Electric Tide. is the second one. Yeah, yeah. The they're both really good. Check it out, Jamie. I am. And you, you can listen to, uh, to Joanna playing right now if you'd like. Because we have a guitar right here. Hey, Nick, grab that. You have a very good name to be a... Isn't she got a great name? I know. Miss J. Devine. Great, I got it. Ready to go. So if you're looking for Andrew Duhon, Andrew Duhon is away today, but you can find him at andrewduhon.com and see if he's in a city near you, which he probably is, actually, especially if you live on the West Coast. Okay, Nick, you'll have to talk into the microphone. Yes, it's okay. Oh, I was... uh, I played for an open mic. I was uh, hosting an open mic in uh, Budabelli and down on uh, Magazine Street. Is that right? You're the host of the open mic at Buddha Belly on Magazine Street. Are well, you serious? I was hosting it for, it was once per month on yeah. Monday nights. We called it Monday Night Live. And, right. uh, and so I was just thinking if she had an extra guitar, I'd fiddle around behind her. Yeah, that would have been well, great. Ma- I wish I'd known. I would have brought an extra guitar. It's okay. Well, Nick, we can get you to play as well in a minute. Mm. <laughs> Same thing, not Jamie? us. <laughs> Jamie, you and I are not allowed to. Yeah, we'll just drink. <laughs> I may need a beer for that. Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll Joanna, try one. What, what are you playing? This is a, a song called Lulu St. Marie. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of squeezed in here. I hope I don't... I know, it's pretty tight. Let's see. Are you okay? I think I'm good, yeah. Lulu, Lulu St. Marie She's so easy to love You'll see All those pretty brown eyes how they sparkle and she lights up a room with a smile if you like what you see by the next two or three and she might hang around She can drink you right under the table Don't you laugh cause I've seen it before Once she went 14 rounds While the sailors all drowned And passed out over there on the floor
There's even people Hello, in the, in the restaurant are clapping. How about that? That's very, very unusual. I'll show you. That hardly What's, ever happens. What do you mean? People in the restaurant just... We had a guy here playing the trumpet and nobody even turned around. <laughs> you have to be really good to get people at Wayfair to actually care. That's impressive. That's a great little song. Thank you. Thank you. When that did was, you write that? That was inspired by moving to Louisiana about 10 years ago, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And you moved from, do you move from Texas, too? I moved here from Texas, too, yeah. Jamie, I'm originally from Tennessee, from Tennessee, but I moved here from Austin. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I came from Austin. I was in Houston, then Austin, yeah. and straight here. You know, it's funny. A lot of people don't like Texas. Like, I got a, I got a rental car. My, I, my car got messed up. I got a rental car, and the guy gave me a rental car with a Texas plate. And immediately my thought was, oh, shit. Like, people are going to run me right, off the road. You. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have a rental car with a Texas plate. It's funny. There's this real Louisiana-Texas right. kind of a... So what happened to that band that you were in a band for a while that I loved that sort of came and went very quickly. What was it called? Go something or other? Oh, yeah, Go Kimba. That Go was fun. Go Kimba. Yeah, How do you spell fun, that? That was a fun project. G-O-K-I-N-B-A. We still have, I think we're still on Facebook. I mean, Lord only knows. But it I was really fun. I don't think Facebook works anymore. Yeah, don't, yeah Facebook doesn't work. Yeah, actually, that's yet? probably hey, a good Hey, Xerox, see if you can find this band. Go, is it up online somewhere? Yeah, I think it's online. You can just, just look up Go Kimba. K-I-N-B-A. Is that, there was one yeah. great song that you heard yeah, called yeah. I. I stands for. Yeah, we I got, actually for. got a lot of radio play. It was really yeah, fun. We did this, like, this little EP with like four songs and a couple of them got I thought that was going to go somewhere, that band. I thought you know, you'd stumbled too, into something really good. You know, me too, except my friend Naoki, who was the DJ, she moved to New York. And then my friend Roy, who was the drummer, he moved to Birmingham. So it was sort of like we did the this. The band broke up. Yeah, the band broke that up like quick. two months after we, <laughs> wow. we got together. But it was really fun. We'll see if we can yeah, play it. Really we'll see if we can play that. Uh, so yeah, Nick, okay. what do you play? You play the guitar too. I do. Uh, but it's one of those things where I've been slaving away at songwriting, things like that. Um... And singing, singing to me is the hardest thing to, to yeah. master. It's a, it's a, especially if you never learned to sing when you were younger. Did you learn to sing when you were like a teenager or earlier? I mean, learned. What do you mean learned? Like, well, did you start singing out and about and have any training? Not really. I used to listen to Smashing Pumpkins, and and I'm a baritone more so. And if, if you're a tenor, um, I think it's a word uh, for a guy who has a higher voice. Mm -hmm. Like uh, this great movie, The Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, yeah. I think he's mm -hmm. a ten tenor, had great control over his voice. And what I learned, I took opera or singing lessons from oh, wow. this guy named Guy Tem up on uh, in Broadmoor. Opera. And uh, no, it was like rock singing, but he was he's an opera singer himself. And he was he was telling me, you know, it's, there's no such thing as great range necessarily. It's it's knowing your own range and, and uh, wielding that yeah. and, and understanding how that works. And uh, I still, my mom even tells me, like, I basically uh, suck at singing. Um, so your mom's <laughs> your very judgmental. I learned from, like, Billy Corgan, yeah. who's the screecher, and he's, like, a tenor, and I didn't know I wasn't a tenor. So, you know, like, Scott Weiland or maybe a guy from Pearl Jam, Eddie Vedder. So you're comparing yourself you know. to people yeah. who have gigantic careers in the rock world, and but I'm not sure that like they begin with they the end in mind, you know? You know what I mean? So you, if you're, you're, gonna do you're it, aiming high. You want to be a rock star. No, no, no. I, no, I just want to express myself and make, have a formulate a well-crafted song. I think there's a beautiful art in doing that, kind of like writing a novel or a screenplay, but the song is three minutes, and you know you, have, out, you have to kill your darlings sometimes to make a really great song. You know? What does that mean exactly? Yeah, what do you mean? Well, if there's a great part or you have a great kind of guitar lick that you want to incorporate, but it doesn't really uh, honor the song, the song isn't king, so to speak. Kind of like a loud drummer. You can rock at drumming, but you 
aren't good melding with your band and you're overpowering it, it's like too much salt in the soup. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. so. That's a good point. Okay. So what sort of stuff do you write? What do you, you know, what's going I, on in um, your psyche? A lot you... of my um, open mic stuff, and I really learned not to play some of the more sincere stuff. I think, like your song, that was a beautiful song. You have a beautiful voice. Um, it's well-crafted. But uh, for me, I, I need to work on that music and, and probably write or play more covers to be more entertaining, kind of keep people going to the bar and staying in the bar. There's there's kind of that pressure as a musician. But you're a psychiatrist. Well, but if why I'm, do you want to? I mean, this, I, don't well, mean I don't mean I, it's I, psychiatric. No, 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 no. I'll tell you why. Yeah. Um, you know, I think work will only give you so much, and I love doing what I'm doing, but, but it I need to pull out of it. Like, I can't work 12 hours a day and feel good about the last quarter of that day. I need to get out and um, and do other things that make me feel like I'm growing. And for me, the, the biggest thing, next step for me, other than, um, <clears throat> well, the next big thing would be to become a really good musician and, uh, you know, do, just play with more people and be in, in that community. Are you, you a naturally know. good musician? Are you in I have, I can play by talent? ear. Yeah, when right. I was a kid, I could play by ear, but I'm, but, um, you know, like anything, you just have to practice. And you talk to any of the greats; they just they, like Billy Corgan, he played in a room as a teenager for four four hours a day for four years, and then he got out of there and he became he was a rock guy. So you're a big fan of Smashing Pumpkins and Billy Corgan, you? Yeah. What does your mom think of them? Does she like them? <laughs> she kind of can't understand. She can't understand it. Kind of like her dad couldn't understand the Beatles as right. much because he was listening to Glenn Miller, you know. Well, I prefer Glenn Miller to Smashing Pumpkins too. What, do you, what would you, if you had a choice, Joanna? I had a choice. I, actually, I hate to say this, and I'm sorry if this, if this is unpopular, but I would prefer Glenn Miller, too. I'm on actually, your side. Yeah. That's what James... I'm, yeah. I'm on your side. You're the Smashing but that's, Pumpkins. That, I have an older brother, so I grew up listening to Smashing Pumpkins, like, okay. well, forever. But Glenn Miller, I mean... But different. Yeah, they're yeah, different. Yeah, totally. If you could yeah, only have a, yeah. a desert island, you're going to have one of those people. But Glenn Miller like, sucks. And I hope those are my only two choices. But if you were on a desert island and you could only have one or the other, you'd rather have yeah. Glenn Miller yeah. or Billy Corgan. Siamese Dream. A horrible island. Pumpkins, man. <laughs> Some of the best guitar solos that you ever hear. I mean, that guy's uh, wickedly good. But no, but I like Harry Connick Jr., his early stuff. But with, when right. Harry met Sally, um, I love Black Crows or Soul Soulful. I mean, yeah. uh, there, it's too many to name, you know. So Nick is also the host of a podcast, by the way, called Mindset. Yeah. And then two podcasts, another one. <laughs> Called Questions from the Waiting Room, which was also a very popular podcast, yeah. actually. Yeah, they're both, they're both really good. They are. Yeah. Where, where do you listen to them? You can listen to them anywhere you get podcasts. Anywhere you get podcasts, yeah. as you always say. Where do you get your podcast? The little purple app on yeah. my phone. Yeah, just hit podcast and search for <laughs> Mindset, yeah. and next podcast will come up. And we talked, you talked, did you ever talk to Harry Connick Jr. on Mindset? No. Did no. ever agree to Harry, do it? Harry Connick Sr., um, Senior. I, I got to interview him, right. and during that time, I told, I, I showed Harry Connick Sr. a picture of me at Tulane Monroe's dorms as a freshman. I'm from Indiana, you know, originally. We I came in 96. And in my dorm, I had Harry Connick Sr., uh, like running, he was running. Uh, or no, Harry Connick Senior. Senior. You had a pinup. I found something Harry in someone's Senior. yard walking back from the booth. <laughs> I found uh, this Harry Connick Senior sign. He was running for re-election for district attorney, and I just saw the name Harry Connick. I'm like, I'm taking that, and I plastered it in my wall. And I showed him the picture. I showed Harry Connick Senior the picture of me with his sign in the back. I go, give this to your your son. Show him it. Let tell him that you know I'm a big fan. 
And, you know, I've met Billy Corgan in person, um, you did. like, uh, randomly three times. Was your mom there? She was, <laughs> no. <laughs> three times. You've met Billy Corgan three and, times. And I met Kevin Griffin, who I love as a songwriter. He's the lead singer for, be, uh, for Better Than Ezra. And then I never met Harry Connick Jr. How do you do this? Yeah. Uh, I, saw, I, I saw a hang out backstage, I yeah. guess. Like. Kevin Griffin was in front of Reginelli's uh, with Tom Drummond um, one time, and I walked up to him. I said, hey, what's that chord you play in that song, Rewind? He's like, that's a B minor or something, and we talked guitar and stuff, and I was like, all right, I'm going to stop creeping you out, let you eat your pizza. <laughs> yeah. But Harry Connick Jr., I never met him, and this, this fall, I was walking down in the French Quarter, and I literally ran into Harry Connick Jr. 15 feet in front of me, and I'm like, oh, here, here it comes, you know? Wow, this and is I a And I approached one. him, and he totally was like, uh, thanks a lot, man. Like, and he kind of gave me the hand, like the Heisman. And I'm like, okay, I'm creeping him out. Some, like, middle-aged dude wearing a suit <laughs> asking for an autograph. I didn't ask for the autograph, but I thought we would have a lot to talk about. Apparently, it's just a fantasy in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> what was your opening line? What did you say to him? I kind of fumbled my words. I, I, I was so shocked to see somebody like that right in front of you. And he kind of had an entourage around him so of people that he was going to dinner with. He was going into Irene's Cuisine. Hmm. And uh, I never got a chance to really The new one or the old up. one? The new one. The new one. Now you know a lot yeah. about Irene's Cuisine. The old cuisine. one is on yeah. my street. Or oh, it's okay. like around my corner. I live on You're... 900 block of charters. So you moved to the quarter. I've been how to the quarter you, since I How are you here. liking it? I love it. I love it. But that's why it took me so long to get here. Oh, because you have to get out of there. Got to get out of there. What happened to Irene's? Did they, why did they, they move? They moved it to, like closer to Canal. It's like Bienville and mm-hmm. maybe off of Charters. And who was he with? Was he with any of those extremely good-looking women? No, that he, he was with out? a group of maybe um, middle-aged, maybe older folks who I don't know who they were. Um, hmm. I just thought it was it was so neat to see a guy like that. He was dressed casual. You know, I think he went from I mean, was he? As opposed to, yeah. you know, <laughs> like a tux or... I, you know, when, when he was doing, when he was uh, touring during Harry Met Sally, that era, and I mean, that, guy, that guy here. was suave. He created his own brand or someone created that brand for him. And, and, he, and what I love about him is he's a, a proficient musician. He can play the hell out of the, the piano, hmm. you know, rather than just being a crooner. I think Frank Sinatra was a drummer originally. Um, really? Well, Harry Connick yeah. Jr. is actually a jazz piano player. He can really play. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's oh, a yeah. great piano player. James Booker yeah. taught him, you know. Yeah, right. I, I love exactly. that about him, that he's not just like a, a pretty face. I mean, What did you say to Billy Corgan when you met him? That was more successful, So this apparently. is kind of interesting. I, when I met uh, he, I met him three times. I'll, t- I'll tell you briefly about each one. Uh, the first one, I got thrown backstage at Lollapalooza. I somehow found him, and I, I didn't think anyone was going to believe me that I met him. And I thought security was going to remove me. So I asked him, what song are you going to open with? And he told me the name of the song, which is called Soma. And I went back, and I told them he's going to open with Soma, which they never opened with, and he did. And he was studying the song set list, and he said, I, I can't talk right now. I need to focus this, on this. Was this before there was digital cameras or something? Yeah, you this is when talk? I was 16 in 1994 okay. in Miami. I- How'd you get? How'd you get thrown? The backstage? Beastie Boys were so loud that, and the, and, the, and I was getting like I needed your suit probably to survive this crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got thrown over the top with about twenty-five other people. And <laughs> you got every, thrown over. Wow. During the Beastie or, or Boys people, set, it, we were getting crushed, and they pulled us over. Like during like, sabotage comes out, you know, you're you're soaking with water at Lollapalooza, waiting there all day, and so I'm walking out, and instead of going right with all that security and everybody back into the general population crowd, I went left to like a little opening that went backstage 
And I, and, and I was shocked. I mean, this is like a kid's dream come true to meet your rock star idol when he's in his heyday. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was totally. And you were 16. I was 16, and wow. I was played guitar. And so the second time, that was, <laughs> was when I was like 22, and I was in a club in Chicago. Did he remember you? I mean, no, 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 no. no. It's we, been a while. we didn't make out or anything. It was just like, you know. <laughs> no, he, I, I, I had a picture of him in my wallet I used for inspiration. I pulled it out. Oh, boy. And I saw, oh and I saw him in the club. God. Are you a This is my psychotic. And, and, yeah. and, and I showed it to him, and he goes, I know that's me in the picture, but I'm not that I'm not that person anymore. Oh, nice! And, and I thought that was pretty neat. And, and that's then, why I became a psychiatrist. Right. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and then later, when I was uh, two or three years ago, I was with my wife um, at a VIP show because now you know you can afford to do things like that. And he was singing a song here in New Orleans, and I asked him about his voice, and I said, "How did you get on stage with your voice? Because I've heard you say you don't like your voice." And he said. Um, yeah, my dad told me my voice was terrible. His dad's a professional musician. Um, he said, sometimes you got to just crawl out of that hole and do what you want to do. You should introduce his dad to yeah. your mom. That <laughs> head it yeah, off. Yeah, they would. My mom's okay. way too conservative. So that's that our three, yeah, sorry. three interesting questions. First one was, what are you going to open the set with? The second one was, here's a photo of me and, and like, of what do you, you think of in this? my wallet. What do you think of that? Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. And the third one was, what was the third question again? Was, now, how what's up you, with your voice? Get if on your stage voice. And he, and okay. he, but he gave me a long answer. He told me about like the genetic origins of his voice yeah. and like the Welsh com- genetics and how he has a cousin who has the same voice and it skips a generation. So and he's he, thought he, about that. He's super smart about all kinds of stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. so asking questions is what you do for a living, really. Understanding how the brain works and uh, probing the brain. Well, here's a good. This is a good yeah. point, actually, because psychiatry. When I was younger, when I was trying to get to meet Billy Corgan backstage right. at Lollapalooza, that psychiatrist was a person who was like a, a psychoanalyst, like Freud. We thought of a psychiatrist. Psychologist. Right. Well, that, no, that was a psychiatrist back in the day. Well, it's confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's now a psychiatrist well, is not. That. A social worker can be a psychoanalyst now. It's like postgraduate study. But how did that change? How it changed with the advent um, of lithium and tricyclic antidepressants, probably in the 1950s and, huh. and around there. Okay. And what happened, <laughs> what, and this is a true story, they were testing lithium, which is just a salt. It's right under the periodic table with sodium. And they found out in hypertensive patients in Australia, I know you're from New Zealand, right? Plus. And you've interviewed a lot of rock stars because you were awesome in the 90s when you had the show, right? I, I did. I don't think the, I ever interviewed for? Billy Corbin, did I? No, you interviewed, uh, I think, Eddie Vedder or Kurt Cobain, though, didn't you? I have spoken to most of those people, but I... I can't remember which one's which. They, so they give lithium to all these folks to see if it helped up their blood pressure or like studying it. And What's a bunch lithium of people, got to do with Eddie Vedder and Kurt Cobain? Uh, I don't know. I, I have, sometimes Nirvana I have flat, has a song called Lithium. Right, they okay. do. Well, I have a flat of ideas. I have, a, I have a curious mind. I jump around too much. Do you have ADD? It's, it's a so there's drugs for that. You know, I think I just... <laughs> you should try some lithium. might be able to... Sometimes I, I wonder. No, I think I'm just curious and I, right. I you know, go well, that, was why, that was my question to you. You're yeah. a professional interviewer for a job it's, or I, not. I, I, so you're I, talking about... So, so that when they invented all these chemicals that treat... They discovered them when Mental people illnesses. took lithium. A lot of people, so, people got, they were less depressed and their moods were right. better. And, and this was in an inpatient hospital setting. And they were like, what's going on with the lithium? And that's how they discovered it, it was an antidepressant yeah. and so on and so forth. So did that cut short the whole psychoanalytic 
no, method? No, what, what happened is when you're seeing a patient one, for one patient an hour, um, you know, I think there's a business drive to see more people in an hour. And I think some, you know, that, that's, one, that's one thing where there's, if you could do psychoanalysis or psychopharmacology, the, the economics of it would push you towards more psychopharmacology. So you can make more money. And, th and this is why drugs. I don't work, work for a big hospital system because I, I would rather spend more time with each person, um, you know, and, and just have more time to connect. So hang on, just to yeah. straighten up here. You're saying that psychiatry changed from psychoanalysis to prescription drugs because you can make more money doing that because you don't have to have a long, involved conversation If with you people. talk to psychiatrists, I'm saying there's, it's multifaceted, but that's one economic pressure. Just like in any business, you well, have to look depressing. at the economics. It is well, depressing. Isn't it? I, need I thought we were trying no, no, to cure but, mental illness. But I will say this, though, too, alongside that, when you have effective tools to use to treat someone's mental health issue, then you, you say, well, Am I going to talk to this person four days a week for two years, or do I want to get them well in the next month? And that's the so it's multifaceted. So you can do the same. Those two things do the same thing, exactly the same thing. You can talk to me every day for two years, or you can give me a no, bottle of pills. Not, it's not that. And it's I'll not get that to the easy. same this result. Is, this is why it's like the brain is understanding the brain is um, complex, and. And in a practice like mine at, the, at Atlas Psychiatry, is where, uh, where we work. Um, we have many therapists, and I really push for therapy. And I've been in own therapy when I was coming up, like in through a residency, and I found out I found it so helpful. And being on that side of the couch, so to speak, you you understand <laughs> what therapy can do for you. And then as and I manage the medication part because I'm I'm kind of you know uh, that's my you're a science uh, yeah I'm a sciencey guy I'm more of a biological psychiatrist okay. they would say so. So when someone has real deal bipolar dis disorder and they need like treatment and you know there's, then I would manage that. But however, if someone comes to me and says, I've had this trauma happen to me, we would use some medications, but they got to work through that through therapy. And that's okay. a whole nother uh, skill set. Okay. Let's talk about um, the opioid crisis in a minute. But first of all, Joni, want to play something else? Yeah. Yes. yes. Can we sure. make you play something? Okay, yeah. Have you got an idea? I, I just was, I ha, I'm just full of questions now. With oh, no, yeah. no, you, no, no. you want to ask a couple no, no, of quick no, questions okay. first? We'll, we'll talk about opioids okay. in a minute. Well, you get the first question when we come back. All right, all right. Okay, yeah, what well, are you? My first, I, I'll, I can ask my first question because I have to tune anyway. But uh, okay. my, do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah. Yes, I have uh, two older brothers and a younger sister and younger brother. <laughs> did, did, you, did you get turned on to a lot of music from your older siblings or were you yeah my oldest brother he used to drive me around he's four years older than me so when he was like 16 17 i was you know, 12 or so he used to make me listen to like octune baby in the car long drives in indiana um and uh how many kids in your family there's uh, five of us five kids. yeah where would y'all go on long drives in indiana? well there's when I'm from Michigan, Michigan City, Indiana is right on uh, Lake Michigan, so okay. around the coast, um, it's about an hour outside Chicago. Um, there's some, these beautiful dunes and beaches, mm -hmm. and uh, along along the shore there, there's a there's Lakeshore Drive, and we cruise there. There's a lot of like golf courses up that way, and like farmland. Cool. You know, I went to Cleveland last week for the first time. Ah. Cleveland. It was, it was cool. Hello, Cleveland. <laughs> Were you selling fire retardant clothing to the Clevelanders? With a, no. <laughs> I was meeting with a company that's headquartered up there that wants to kind of do some partnership. In what sense is they are a manufacturer? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a very large FR apparel manufacturer that Fire Tower, FR. 
flame resistant. Flame resistant. Or fire retardant. I mean, it's both. It's both. Yeah, yeah. And what are yeah. they making? Uh, the, the, They're making mostly get? men's clothes. Okay. How many women are there in the fire retardant market? There's about 300,000 in the U.S. So you have a wow. you have a potential. Three hundred thousand employees. Yeah, yeah, women that will wear them. Some of that that includes people that might have one pair that they wear like one, you know, when they go out to the field. There's three hundred thousand people, women working on the oil rigs or in factories. Or, or in plants, yeah, or in, yeah. There's there's a lot of that's ancillary. A lot of, that's a lot of people. You know, industries. So how many of these of have you sold so far? Onesies. How many have you sold? Like, Ooh, um, was it a couple thousand? Okay. Yeah, but we haven't sold any like to big contracts. We just sell to individuals. You're selling to individuals. So uh, what you want to do is try and get someone to buy them, like, and buy them for their exactly. Company, like but I need a co- I need I need something. someone like this Cleveland company who can make, make thousands of them okay. in a day. I see. Yeah, what my factory is pretty small. Fire departments. They, there's they have Great a little deal. bit more strict um, rules around it. I mean, you have to wear like five layers of like flame resistant things but <laughs> yeah. um but the military like the air force they yeah. actually don't have too um you know hmm. strict rules interesting hmm. yeah it is interesting but the yeah. air force has less strict rules than a local fire i know department. i know well i guess because fire you're like in a fire department you're definitely right, yeah. going into a fire <laughs> you know versus air force you're hoping you're not <laughs> okay joanna all right what so do this you think is, this is a song about a, this is a song about a crisis I'll sing a crisis I've got a sneaking suspicion There's been some deep sea fishing Going on round here People waging wars Behind closed doors While we watch all the money disappear What's it gonna take for you to realize those men are gonna rob you blind? These three little words I'm gonna tell you might make you change your mind. The big grab gonna get you, gonna spin you around and hit you till you lose your mind. The big grab gonna take you. Turn you upside down and shake you Take away your last and dime All mama's in the kitchen Counting pennies All papa's in the poorhouse Like so many The big grab got us all down On our knees Singer songwriter 
songs about uh, international global economies. No, well, there's there's one for you. Is that is that what it's about? <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. What were you thinking of when you? Well, well, uh, it was I, I I was thinking about the big mortgage crisis of 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 odd eight. Oh, okay. what, what do you call it? Odd eight. <laughs> yeah, it's like exactly ten years <laughs> yeah, exactly ago today. Yeah, exactly ten years ago. Exactly. Well, so wow. it's, it's funny you sort of forget it's, those things, you know, yeah. and and what a huge crisis it was. And and I remember listening to the news at the time, and it was like all of a sudden, literally billions of dollars were just gone right. and nobody everyone was sort of standing around shrugging like nobody really knew what what happened but everybody was broke and right so it was you know i think in at least in my generation that was the first experience that was a big deal you know, for was, a lot of people it was people. a big deal for a lot of people i think yeah, if so you had a lot of money memorialize it. i just wanted to memorialize yeah. it in song did you write it then back then at the, i did at the yeah time? well maybe a little bit after you the know, big like, grab yeah the big grab all yeah, right which is kind of what it felt like at the right time, so. okay so what was your question for nick oh well the, the first one was do you have any brothers and sisters and then the I, I was just curious i was a little more curious about the psychiatrist psychologist distinction oh yeah i want to clarify something too um, about what drove uh, psychopharmacology. Um, I think the effect of treatments over the last 50, 70 years is, is one of the main reasons why we got away from psychoanalysis a little bit. Also, there's different types of therapy now that they kind of that we use that and, <clears throat> and so those other effective therapies are one reason why we don't do psychoanalysis. I didn't mean to just put it, pigeonhole it in an economic sense, but that that plays a force in, in the system, just like what you're seeing in hospitals where you can't stay hospitals as long as you used to because right. of insurance, blah, 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 blah. Um, psychiatrists and psychologists. A psychologist is like a liberal arts degree beginning, like in college. So you could major in history or sociology philosophy. or psychology, philosophy, and then, you, and then they earn a PhD um, in uh, psychology or get a PsyD and they're, psychologists can do different things, but um, mainly it's like psychotherapy or it's a psychological assessment. So people who do those forensic files kind of assessments on like murderers and things like that, or um, people who assess autism or ADHD. Whereas a psychiatrist is, has a pre-med curriculum, goes to medical school. So it's a very heavy like organic chemistry, chemistry. Um, you study everything in med school. Uh, become a physician, and then you and then you do a residency for four years in psychiatry, and you kind of you, you become specialized. Okay, Jamie. Sorry. Have you ever <laughs> wanted to ask a psychiatrist a question? Because this is your chance. Have you ever been? No. In ther- have you ever been in therapy? I, I have a question I'm for Nick. Jamie, are you nervous I, right now? No. <laughs> yeah. So, can I steal the thunder for a second? Yes, Thomas. Oh hey, Nick. Has anyone ever told you you look like a young David Lynch? David Lynch? Uh, no. Film director? But, okay. No, no. I've gotten told that. Uh, what do you think? I oh, think it's a yeah. match. I think it's a match. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Here's his photo. People think I'm a friend of theirs a lot. You know? Have you seen this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look at this one. I wouldn't say that, really. One of my best friends looks like Ted Bundy. It's really strange. That is unfortunate. I know. Okay, Jamie. I don't know. Ted Bundy was an attractive man, but terrible soul. I don't. You don't? You haven't got any psychological question? We always thought if I could only get a... Not have to pay the 350 bucks. I would like to find out. In two minutes or less. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this isn't for me, but I am curious. For asking for a friend, okay. Asking for a friend. Um, are you seeing a lot of younger patients? How young are we talking? Well, um, I, w- I was speaking at 
an International Women's Day event last Friday after the Pelicans game. Mm-hmm. And it was like to an elementary and middle school crowd of girls. And all of their questions were around like, if I'm depressed, what should I do? Oh and goodness. like, th- yeah, really, it was actually so really, really sad. So you're speaking as a mentor right, to right. them. Right, or like, ha- or like, you know, have any of y'all ever been bullied? And like, what do you do if you are like, and, hmm. and it got me thinking, like, I, th- I think the younger, like, kids coming up through school see a lot of that. Yeah, I think it's a social it's a, media thing. It's a good yeah, 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 exactly. Need to well, we have a Jane. child psychiatrist um, on our staff named Dr. Lauren LaRose, who's excellent. Um, and we do see all, all walks of life. Yeah, I guess you, you know, can't really answer l- that. But. Little kids to, you know, um, old, older folks. Um, I, I'm the adult psychiatrist that sees most of like the, the medically complex or uh, patients with addiction or uh, with treatment-resistant depression. So We're out of time, but, but, but let's get on no. to that for no, one minute. Anyway. One minute on opioid addiction. Oh, opioid addiction. What is, the, what is that actually going on there, Nick? Yeah. You know, the, so back in the um, 90s and 2000s, pain was like the sixth vital sign. If someone's in pain, the, the, they were taught, doctors are taught to treat the pain symptoms, right? And then uh, the, I think doctors were more liberal. They're prescribing um, of them. However, those medicines work very well and are, are very much indicated in certain patients. What we didn't know is how addiction worked as much. And the way I, would, I think about, about it is an addiction is a, is a hijacking of your uh, reward system in your brain. And all addictions, most addictions, their common, final common pathway is a place in your brain called the nucleus accumbens. Uh, where you get that dopamine sti- stimulation. Um, opiates themselves give people energy when they're addicted to them. So if you got energy and you could perform more and you didn't have any hangovers and uh, you could think cl- more clearly some of the time with it and you feel like you have no depression, it's like that movie where they take the pill in the movie. Um, I don't know. Uh, uh, Limitless. Limitless, yeah. Thank you. Look See at that. Rock. Strong work there. Um, and... When you stop an opiate, you have terrible withdrawal. You know, you may have a hangover from alcohol or some tremors or something like that, which can be pretty bad. But opiate withdrawal, you feel like you're dying, but and it's un- intolerable. And th- that combination of the pleasure from when you take it and the terrible withdrawal is why people get stuck on them. And then they have nowhere to turn. So as a doctor right now, I can prescribe as many opiates I, as I want to, or at least this is, the, the you know, two or three years ago. Now they're changing this. But if I want to give the antidote for the opiates and, and treat somebody with something like Suboxone or Subutex or Buprenorphine, which is like the gold standard for that, I can only have a, like 250 people in my practice to, to do that for because it's like, it's like restricted. It makes no sense. What is the logic behind that, actually? I don't, I don't have a good answer for that. I think it's just regulation. They're worried that maybe they're worried that there's going to be pill mills and, people, and untrained physicians prescribing all kinds of these opiate antidote medicines. Um, but make no mistake, if you know Just a friend with yeah, mm-hmm, if you know a friend with an opiate problem or someone stealing money for you for drugs uh, or not showing up for work and things like that, you, you know, there is help out there. Um, you know, you can find us on online Atlas Psychiatry or go to Suboxone.com and there's a bunch of doctors there that are well trained to treat Nobody people. Nobody could even spell Suboxone. What the hell yeah. do you spell that? S-U-B-O-X-O-N-E. Yeah, su- Suboxone. I want good to spell job. it in third grade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of good physicians on that, um, on that list. I did in second grade. So you would have okay. beat me. <laughs> uh, okay, so there is, 
there is hope. It's very interesting. How come you're bringing it up, though, just because it's a, a topic that's in... Everyone's in, talking about right. opioids. I mean, how often do you get to talk to someone who knows what they're talking about if you're a specialist yeah. in pharmacology? No, absolutely. After all. Are there any specific things you're curious about it, about it? No, I've never tried any of these things. Have you ever tried these famous no. opioids? No. 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 I mean, I was prescribed a painkiller once, but it made me really, really nauseous and very depressed. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't, it didn't, mm. wasn't good for me. I was you in still a, have a car them? accident. No, I was like 16. I was, I hated them. And then my dad hid them from me. Oh, wow. Because he knew they were addictive. So Nick, have you been tempted to try all these things? Think you must uh, try opiates? I guess you don't. You know, I have to say, I, one time, my, my, I had to have an operation, and uh, I had, I had to take opiates, and um, I was going to a conference the weekend afterwards, and or the two days afterwards. So I go there, and I was really kind of loopy from it, and I wasn't acting my usual self, and um, and I understood what what it felt like to kind of have a mild high from it, but I was in so much pain um, that it, you know, I, I, and I didn't want to miss this conference that I had paid for type of thing. You know, a stupid idea. Should have well, just we, stayed. We home. have to get out of here, but yeah. nobody ever wants to be in pain. But so now we've invented all these incredible painkillers that totally work, except they screw us up completely. Yeah. What's the alternative? What's the well, what's the, the right path? Now? So one of my friends, who's a physician named Eric Royster, he has um, a pain management uh, practice, and he does a great job at using alternatives to opiates. So, so there are alternatives that yeah, work just as well. You can have a spinal stimulator. You can have a pain pump where it puts opiates right where the pain is, not to your brain but to your spine. You can well, take things like. like other things that are non-addictive that calm down neuropathic pain. Also getting diagnosed, uh, you know, I've had back pain for three or four years from playing sports or something, and I saw a pain guy who, um, I just had a muscle spasm that wouldn't go away. And, and I, he told me that I need to plank for three minutes. And like, no one told me that. I thought I had a, a, you know, a bone problem, and I'm, I'm sure anybody would have given me an opiate 10 right. years ago. Yeah. But this guy was like, he found he found it. He injected it. He told me what to do, and and you know, all right. To feel better. Do you um, do you write prescriptions? Yes. Do you use a no. pen? Yeah, that pen. <laughs> Can I hold the pen? Hold that pen. That pen is made by Nola Pants. It's the only. It's pen very weighty. That's like a feels like a holding grass. It's a great grass. pen. Try try writing. Try writing with it. You can write on the tablecloth here at Wayfair. That's good. It's a nice pen. I like it. I do a lot of writing. This is this would be very nice. It's a beautiful pen. Mm -hmm. It's made by Nola Pens, the only pens made from a fallen Audubon Park live oak. They're one of a kind, expertly crafted in limited edition, and you can find them at nolapens.com. Have you tried it, Joanna? Try that pen. You're going to love it. Oh my goodness! Also, Basics on Magazine Street near Jefferson Avenue is a place where you can get fine lingerie, and you can also go next door to Basics Swimming Gym, where you can get a full range of. Fashion, swimsuits, workout, and yoga clothes with style. The Positive Vibrations Foundation create and encourage community through the development and preservation of the arts, music, culture, and heritage. And Hangover Destroyer is the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. You get that at hdestroyer.com. Thanks to all those people for making today's show possible. And thank you to Dr. Nick Pajic for being here. It's been great to see you, Nick. And we can can find you at atlaspsychiatry.com and find your podcast, Mindset, and Questions from the Waiting Room wherever you get podcasts. And Joanna Devine, thank you so much for being here. I looked at your website before me. I came here, and it's completely, all the music is gone off your website. Yeah, now it's just got a photo of you. Yeah, that's right. What's up with that? Where can uh, we find I'm you? I'm working on it. Work in progress. Oh, just go to Spotify or um, okay. Apple, yeah. iTunes, iTunes, any of those, all the free okay. music. Free music. It's just so free. Joanna Devine is jo- J-O-H-A-N-N-A, and then Devine spelled. D-I-V-I-N-E, Like Jesus. Exactly. Spells it. Just like Jesus. And Jamie Glass has been here as well. Thank you so much for coming along, Jamie. You're welcome. Yay.
It's been great to have all the three of you. And Jimmy, we can find you at Hotwork, which is spelled H-A-U-T-E. Work.com. And um, can we buy shares in this company of yours, which is going to take <laughs> off and be huge at some point? Are you going public? Well, when you are you going public? No, 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 no. Do you no have investors? No? Maybe. No. Yes? No, no, no. I don't yet. But I have I think you're onto something. Parties. I think this business is going to take off, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to hold on to it as long yeah. as I can. I think Nick would look great in one of these. you got to take a New York City. Yeah. yeah. Runway. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> Play Donna Summer's Hot Stuff. There you go. Oh, oh, yeah, we now didn't you're even, talking. Yeah, we didn't even go into that. The company used to be called Hot Stuff when I first started it, because mm-hmm. I thought that was clever and, you know, cute, flame-resistant clothes, and then Me Too movement happened, and... We changed to hot work. Hot ah, work. Yeah. Okay. Needless like to say, work. why? Hot yeah, stuff. Yeah, is, it, it's, it's a little bit more chic. Yeah. It's yeah. Good. Anyway, well, good luck with it all. I'm like to keep in touch with you. Thanks. I would love to. It's so be great having three of you. This is like yeah. hanging out. It's like hanging out at home. Yeah, let's, let's do it again. Another. The producer of our show is Graham DuPont, who's standing right over there. Our associate producer is April Lovestorff. Everyone's wearing black here, I see yeah, today. Monique Pyle and Christian Owner are our music producers, and Thomas Walsh is our technical director. Asha Griffith is our Facebook live feed director when Facebook's working. And Andrew Searock is our fact checker and social media connector. Our theme music was written by and is currently being played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show and you can stay upright while drinking alcohol, drop us a line. Our address is on our website, itsneworleans.com. We can also find out many other shows we've recorded here, including Happy Hour, ones that were recorded before today, Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, live from Commander's Palace, Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tooker, and our award-winning podcast about death called Death the Podcast. You can also find other great Louisiana podcasts at itsacadiana.com and itsbatonrouge.la. You can keep up with us on a bunch of time-sucking social media, actually. For example, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On all of it, we're called It's New Orleans. You can find photos from the show on itsneworleans.com and on our It's New Orleans Facebook page and on Instagram account as well. These photos were taken today by Jill Lafleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. If you listen to this on your favorite podcast app, Jamie, even you can figure this one out. Thanks for subscribing to us. Take a moment to rate and review us if you have one. That helps other people find us. If you're listening to us on Spotify, you can follow us and get Happy Hour delivered to you each week. This show is recorded live today at Wayfair on Ferret Street in Uptown New Orleans. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Andrew Duhon, who's on the road somewhere, you can find him at andrewduhon.com, and he'll be back here next week. And everyone else around the table here at Wayfair and back at our office at INO Broadcasting, thanks for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. We'll see you back here next week for more Happy Hour.